Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. Rivera, chef owner of Otto in Seattle, Washington. Eric, my friend, thanks Hi. for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, so you were the first guest, episode two, six weeks ago. This is episode 65. It feels like, I can't believe it's been only six weeks, because it feels like it's been three years. Yeah. A lot. A lot. It, it has really, yeah, it's crazy, man. A whole, whole new world, right? It's, it really is. So we're going to talk about a few things. I want to talk about Auto and what you're doing there, how you are pivoting every single day to try and be what your community needs internally and externally. And I want to start with kind of what's on people's minds when they're thinking about you right now. You penned an op-ed and eater called The Chefs I Used to Admire Aren't the Leaders We Need Right Now. And it's jarring, right? It definitely calls out a, a lot of the institutional norms in the industry. It calls out specific people from, you know, and, and you start with talking about how coming up, you were really studying Thomas Keller and Fran Adria, Rene Redzepi and David Chang, and then had to say, and at the same time right now, calling out people like David Chang and Thomas Keller, Tom Colicchio, kind of the board that the Trump administration has in John George, Daniel Balud, Wolfgang Puck, even 11 Madison Park. And so I want to unpack that a little bit and start with why was it so important for you to write this article? Um, you know, I think for me, it's I've seen both sides of it. I've seen, you know, I've, I've worked in Michelin star kitchens. I've worked in these really cool places. I've actually met a lot of those guys. Um, I understand how they operate. I understand how businesses operate. Um, now that I have my own business as my own, you know, restaurant, I'm, you know, we're tiny, we're less than 10 employees. We're, you know, for the first year and a half, I was the only employee plus Ingrid and that was it. And so it's like, I understand the difference and the, the range of how things work. Um, and so for me, I just kept on seeing these stories where everybody was like talking to them and asking them for their opinions and what they had going on. And, oh my God, it's so tough and it's so bad. And it's this, but there was no point of view from an employee. There's no point of view from, you know, anybody that's really, really struggling. It was more, oh my God, chef, it's so hard that you laid off 800 people. Oh, Danny Meyer, you're at your house in Connecticut and you laid off 2000 people. How are you? And it's like, oh, he's chilling at a second home, you know? And it's like, that point of view is very silly to me because it's a bunch of rich chefs that feed a bunch of rich people what are they going to do now? I mean, if a rich person really wanted to, you don't think they wouldn't fly Daniel Balud to their house? They would. Um, you know, it's so, you know, there's options, resources, there's things that they have that are available to them that someone like myself or another small business doesn't have. So I just wanted to shift the point of view. And so that's kind of what I was hoping for. Um, less talking to them about how they're doing, more finding out how their employees are doing. Yeah, I really appreciate it. You know, the whole premise of this show is to focus on the unsung hospitality heroes, the people in the trenches that are really making it happen. And so the tone of it, the tone of it of just being like, what the fuck is happening? Why aren't we talking about our people? And what the hell are you doing in your second home? All these type of things. The tenor of it was important to you. Why? Um, because there's a lot of manipulation of thoughts. There's a lot of manipulation of who is in your restaurant and how they should be there. Um, you know, there's those big red flags and people start immediately saying something about family and family this and family meals and, hey, everybody, we're in this together and we got this and all this other kind of shit. Um, none of that's true. You know, none of that's true. None of that ever was true. Um, you know, on a cook level, if you couldn't perform, you're out the fucking door. You're not family. You know, on a <laughs> on a server level, as cool and nice as they are to check in with you, if they can't do the job, they're out. You know, if shit hits the fan and you have to close, guess what? You're 
family's not family anymore. Um, and that's, you know, generally a tactic in restaurants where they do to underpay you and overwork you and just all this stuff. So when a lot of that starts to get, you know, put one hand and then the other, they have this, um, I just, I've seen it happen. I've had it happen to me, um, plenty of times, um, where I, I was like, man, these people are dope. Like, I really like them. I'm getting paid like shit, but like, I like them. You know, and, and that's not good enough. That's not good enough anymore um, because it's it's just basically like brainwashing to get them what they need rather than the other way around. Um, I've really rarely worked in any restaurant where somebody was actually like, hey, man, what are you good at? What can you actually do? All right, let's work on that together. I've never fucking seen that. Mm. <laughs> I've, I've, I've only been one place, uh, one place where I worked at and also my restaurant. Um, what was that place that you worked at? Yeah. That's the only place I've ever worked at where they were like, man, fuck, what, what are you? Who are you? What do you like to do? And then it, it can turn on a dime. And that was, that was dope. Um, but it's, it's very different everywhere else that I've ever worked at. It's always been like, well, you know, you want to work saute, you know, oh, well, that's going to take you some time. And, um, you know, I had a conversation earlier on in my career and the guy was like, it's going to take you two years. And I'm like, here's my notice. I'm out, you know, and if you fall for that trap, it's really easy uh, to be at a place for 10, 15, 20 years. And then what? They have to lay people off because of pandemic. And where, where's the family now? I don't remember the last time I got laid off by my family. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. remember my mom going like, Eric, you know, you're okay at this stuff, but we've had enough. You need to, you know, that doesn't, it's not a, not a reality. So I, I'm, my, my whole thing is, Everybody needs to start functioning for real as a business. And that's what restaurant is, is a business. It's black and white. Um, stop with this whole like culture bullshit. Um, stop with this whole like we are your friends and we're this. It's it's not real. It's not real. It's not it's not okay. So when you in the article, like I love Madison Park, I'm I'm interested in this. Uh, you said that, you know, they're doing through rethink, they kind of turn themselves into a, in a kitchen to feed people right. and a, a, backed by American Express. Right. And can that be in and of itself enough to the point that you had in the article? It wasn't for you. No, it's it's definitely not enough because the first thing he did was closed everything down, laid everybody off, yeah. took a week or two to figure his own shit out. And then yeah. all of a sudden waited for American Express to give him $250,000. Uh, it's it's purely PR. It's purely PR on that point because there's an article that came out, I think a couple days ago on Grub Street or something like that. And it talked about his process and him going like, well, we're not going to do 11 Madison Park food to go or for delivery. So then we made the decision to close. And then fast forward to, well, we got $250,000 from American Express and now we're going to deliver two to 3,000 meals a day. And I'm like, well, what is it? <laughs> you basically said that, no, we're not going to deliver, but then we're going to deliver this side now that we have like 250 grand. It just seems like, it doesn't seem real. Uh, it doesn't seem like the best interests were taken. It doesn't, there was no like, oh yeah, man, my employees that calling American Express and going, hey, I really want to figure out a way that we can pay our employees, bring them all back on, and then figure this shit out as we're doing it. Have them come in, have them be here, you know, figure out something for them. If they don't feel comfortable coming, let's set up a, you know, a payment directly to them. You know, if they're feeling sick or if they are uncomfortable, you know, there's plenty of people within a restaurant that can actually work from home. There's a ton, especially yeah. at that level. He has like a hundred fucking people. You know, he's got fifty something cooks. I've been in the kitchen. And so I, I get it to a certain degree and I'm like, there's plenty of tasks. There's plenty of like traffic control. There's plenty of everything, you know? Um, and, and so I'm not, I'm not fooled by that kind of shit um, because it's very clear. And then you start to see it a week or so later, you know, people are one of the editors for eater was like, Oh, I definitely know, you know, that, you know, Love Madison's Park Lighting Company is talking to us, trying to tell us that they're doing cool stuff and American Express and all these people. So they've got like five or six contacts that are sending them stuff to like drum up press. And they're it's just leveraging very, the fact that they're doing that work. It's very fancy. It's very fancy. And it's very opportunistic to, to you know, kind of change that frame of mind from, hey, we, we're not this, but we're that. And then in the same article, he talks about, 
you know, what it's going to be like when restaurants finally open, but also checking off that it's going to be more expensive. And then he would like to be the person that helps redefine luxury. And I'm like, that's kind of a shitty take because nobody needs luxury right now. Uh, People need basic necessities. People need testing. People need to feel secure. People need benefits. People need basic stuff. So if you're already thinking about how to redefine luxury, that's really shitty. Um, considering that there's thousands of people that are dying on a daily basis. There's people that are food compromised. There's people that are in hospitals. There's hospital workers that are, you know, just barely hanging on with, you know, by a thread. And you've got this guy already going like stage two luxury, you know, it's, it doesn't, it's just to a certain degree, just shut the fuck up, you know? And, and, and you could, if he wouldn't have been pointing out and said things and even just nothing, he could have just said like, we open, we open the kitchen. <laughs> we're doing 2,000, 3,000 meals a day. And then that feels more like genuine, like what you see with Jose Andres. You know what I mean? It's, it, it yeah. seems very different. Jose Andres isn't going like, and now I'm sponsored by, you know, luxury, whatever, and this and that. And, you know, and he's got restaurants that are closed and he's had people that are laid off and, you know, he's got a massive restaurant empire and it's, he's doing the best he can. It's not ideal. It's not ideal for him. He's still laid sure. off people, but you can't shit on the guy <laughs> and go, hey, you laid off people because he's doing the work. You know, he's putting stuff out there. He's giving resources out there that wouldn't be given to me. I have ideas just like his, yeah. but he's already leveled up that much more um, in his career. And that's awesome that he, he gets to do that. And that's awesome that he's really persistent about it. And he's been persistent about it for a very long time. Yeah. Um, you know, with everybody, there's, there's stuff that he's not even in and he's like, we're popping up in California for fires. We're going to Puerto Rico. We're doing all this stuff. Like it doesn't feel on that level that he's just trying to prop up an image. Yeah. And here, here's an interesting thing when I, when I hear you talking about, it's almost as important the process that you got to that 11 Madison park, they may have considered their employees, but the fact that that's not the first statement out of their mouth and the one that they're yeah. saying again and again and again, in the media matters. So then when I'm thinking about that, the responsibility of the media then, what if Daniel, Chef Daniel did say something about their employees and they didn't print that? Where does the responsibility lie then in the whole communication system? I don't know. I mean, I just kind of, I try to, it's not, I've worked with a lot of press people (laughs) and I've talked to press over a very long period of time. Um, And, Sometimes there's a couple things that are missed, but like the meat and potatoes of everything, that's if they're really good at what they do, they'll hit it, you know, 99% of the time. I've never, I, personally, I've never had to go back and like email somebody and go, you missed this. I mean, that's what they do, professionals. It's like, you know, how many restaurants have you been to that you've ordered something and they forgot? It, that's happened. Doesn't mean it's a shitty restaurant, right? So yeah. it's, it's very, it's very different, but when it's consistent messaging, on different articles, meaning 11 Madison Park, you can kind of suss out the what's happening and what they are actually trying to do. Again, it's not me going like, hey, here's one thing they said or did. It's multiple things, you know, and it's multiple actions. And it's having white tablecloths still ironed out on your tables, everybody standing behind one in PPE and white, t- you know, chef yeah. uniforms. And there's a beautiful, like, professionally shot photo that's who gives a shit like what is the messaging because of that i don't get it it doesn't make sense to me um you know there's there's things in optics that i think about all the time um about what we're doing and i'm like i'm not bringing in a photographer for this shit (laughs) we've actually been approached by like major people who have like won Emmys and, and, and Oscars for fucking documentaries to come in. And I'm like, not now, <laughs> not now. I don't yeah. know who you are. You could be sick. You can get us sick and then we're all fucked. And then you got what? 10 minutes of film. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? And yeah. that's, that's like the optics part of it. It's, it's what is our goal at the end of the day? And is it, if, if it's to look cool, I'll cut my hair. I'll put a chef jacket on and, cool but that's not that's not what it that's not what anybody needs right now hey man the hair and the rose shirt i'm fucking into it dude don't change that (laughs) looks good so 
So then for me, the most important part of your article, because we talked about this, there are things that I absolutely love and co-sign 1000%. Other things I'm like, man, you know, it's not my experience, all these different things. And I think that's part of it is everyone is allowed to have different experiences and different voices within the industry. And that's important. Right. What about on the flip side? Somebody says, well, who are you, Eric, to judge these chefs? You don't know them. And why, I mean, I I, you had to know that that kind of is coming from writing this article. Yeah. What do you I say mean, to that? I the, I think that's the biggest part for me is I actually, I don't know them on a friend level, but I've met them and I've worked in some of their kitchens, you know, with collaboration things. And I've worked at a pretty high level um, in my career. Um, and I've seen things and done things that probably nobody will ever see again, you know, in, in the meaning of like work stuff. And I'm not maybe the, the best voiced for it, but I'm a voice. And I'm not going to sit here and say like everything I'm saying is perfect or true or right. It's just my experience. And I'm not, you know, if, if I was just saying shit to say shit, I guess I could be anybody, but I know what I'm talking about to a certain degree, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, I think what you're saying. We talk about a lot, a lot more voices need to be included in the conversation. Yeah. Are all the voices going to be right? There is no fucking right. Especially no. right now. There is no right. There is you, your people, your community, whatever that means to connect that. And the more thoughtful that you're seeing that communication come across or the actions come across, it yeah. matters to you. That's why it was important for you to say something. You know, I had, so David Chang reached out to me and he was like, what's your deal? <laughs> Cause I was consistently just on his shit and he was cool about it. You know, he, he called me up, we talked for almost an hour and we're still like, you know, checking in with each other. I don't agree with everything he has to say. I don't agree with everything he has to do. Um, and, and I fucking told him that. And, he was like, you're right. You know, to a certain degree, he's like going at a, a very different way, but which I don't really agree with. And I'm like, okay, but we're talking. So, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and so it's like, he's a stand up guy. You know, he fuck, he's in a shit spot. Um, it's not cool for him. He's not excited. He's not celebrating anything right now. Um, you know, and, and he's, he's very vocal and he's, he's doing what he can. It's, he's in a shit spot. I mean, it's just, you have investors that kind of give you the world and it's like doing yeah. a deal with the devil, man. It's like doing a deal with the devil. If somebody's going to say, I believe in you and I give you all the money, but you have to do this this way. You're going to have to make that decision. And you know, he made that decision and, and it sucks because I truly believe deep down in him. He's a really fucking cool guy. And I, one of the guys that when I was like learning to do stuff was like Momofuku cookbook is my shit. I can cook that fucker backwards and forwards. Anything he was putting up, you know, Lucky Peach and all this stuff, like fanboy style, right? But now I'm like, what happened? And, and I talked to him, I was like, you know what? When you opened like Co, and you would have been around the same size as I am right now, around me, you know, I have five to 10 employees and whatever else. I was like, if you would have saw some chef like saying some shit like this, you'd be like, fuck these guys. And he was like, you're right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, it, and it's like, it's just a different approach. I think like once you start taking on more responsibilities, it's easy to forget kind of like where you came from and how feisty you were or not. Um, you know, your first day in like a car manger station and you got fucking saute guy yelling at you, you got expo yelling at you. And then you're the fucking guy, you're the expo, you're the sous chef, you're the whatever, yelling at the fucking guard manger guy again. Yeah. You know, it's very, it's very quick. But then when you take that and you, it becomes your restaurant and then it becomes an additional restaurant, an additional restaurant, and then you're like a household name, you know, it, it's hard to go, fuck is guard manger doing? You know, <laughs> it's, it's just like, yeah. it's very, it happens very quickly. Um, and, and look, I'm not here to call everybody out or whatever, but it's, it's those guys that I look at and I'm like, everything is hit the fan in the worst way possible right now. And it's completely like fucking just obliterated the restaurant world. So people are going to look and listen to you. So say something that works. And if you don't have anything to say that works or helps things get better, don't say anything. It's fine. You don't need to you'd be like, I just go, I don't fucking know what's going on. And then yep. the next one, or you can be like, Hey, we're going to open up. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. I think we got something. We'll fucking figure it out. And this might be their last day we're open, but ah, at least we're going to, you know, and, and that makes, that's what makes it really different. Yeah. We're going to go in our fucking pirate ship and try and make some shit happen and see yeah. what, yeah, I mean, it's what like, comes from it. 
there's there's everybody says you can close you can stay open you can do this you know we we haven't closed my restaurant hasn't closed um we figured out different ways to do a whole bunch of different things and you know on my side it's like we've we operate differently anyway we've always operated differently so it wasn't it wasn't a big shift from what we were already doing it was just ready to take on more responsibilities from what guest expectations are and you know what we can actually do so you mentioned Alinea, a place that early on was like actually asked you that question. Yeah. We mentioned Jose Andres, the work that he's doing with uh, World Central Kitchen. Who are some of the chefs potentially that you see right now that are actually out there doing things that you say, yes, that, that is exactly what I feel is going to yeah, work. Yeah. I mean, I would say, well, you know, I worked, I worked at Alinea. So, you know, Grant, uh, you know, Chef Ackett's, they're, they're doing crazy shit, you know, and, and like he sent me a text the other day and he was like, Eric, we did like 3000 meals for Easter. <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me. What? Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> and he's, you know, and, and they've been hustling. They've actually been able to rehire their entire staff again. Um, you know, they, they, but even when they let everybody go, they still were paying their benefits and they still gave them money to stay at home. So it wasn't like leaving them out in the cold, um, which I thought was really cool because they don't, they don't have to do that, but they did it. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, and, and at that level, they don't have to do anything um, because the precedence is set from so many other restaurants that, you know, well, fucking Danny Meyer did it. So I'm going to lay off people. And then you have this fucking chain of dominoes. It's like a local level here in Seattle. It's like Tom Douglas closes. And then everybody else is like, well, if Tom's closing, <laughs> Tom close too. Cause blah. And I'm like, fuck all y'all. Um, you know, <laughs> it's bullshit. Um, you know, you have 17 restaurants, 13 restaurants or whatever, and you're going to close just because the other guy with 15 restaurants is going to close. So fuck, that's fucking stupid. You know, how many of those guys could have like, I actually was like looking for another kitchen to like expand our operations. I, they're just wanting to stay closed. I can easily take over their kitchen and just be like, I'll pay rent on it. Just stay away from what we're doing. I got it. Um, but those options aren't available. Um, but you know, as far as more people that are doing good, there's so many people that nobody knows about because they're not in the yeah. line. They're not speaking out. They don't have an hour to spend on a podcast or a Facebook live thing or whatever the fuck. Like they're actually smaller than me <laughs> and don't have any of the resources even that I have. Um, and yeah. so there's tons of that. There's tons of that. Dude, there's so many restaurants here that on our mom and pop bubble never fucking closed. Never closed. Weren't even, and probably didn't lay anybody off, but they're like hustling. Yeah. They're real small, like family shit. You know, there's like um, Pho Bok. They're a pho, uh, pho place here in Seattle. They've been around since the early 80s and they didn't close. You know, they're, they're like third generation family now of like pho kids, you know. It's it's dope. Uh, but you've got tons of people like that. And on a national level, that wouldn't, that wouldn't ring true. You know, nobody would be like, oh, cool, the pho place is open. You know, oh, cool, the... Yeah. you know that does chinese food here since the 1920s here in seattle nobody gives a shit nobody's looking for them nobody's going to talk to them nobody's going to go out there because that's it is it's what i always talk about it's like translatable cuisine um it's if you can understand what the cuisine is in your language then it becomes something it's almost like colonizer style shit um <laughs> and yeah. you know when somebody goes on vacation for example like a rick bayless goes to mexico bounces around does a really good job at cooking the food but then comes back to a place like chicago and wins all of the james beard awards sees so much success gets a tv show and is able to amplify that vision of what the food is but it's coming from him because you can understand him he translated that for you you know so yeah. there's a lot of that that happens there isn't enough rep representation and diversity in uh food writing on a local level here i'd say in seattle um so it's hard for someone that doesn't speak a certain language to go check in to see how somebody's doing right yeah well you talked about that in the, the full podcast episode right. you know being the puerto rican kid in the really white part mm -hmm. of of washington that yeah. you grew up in yeah and so now you're trying to you know take some of your heritage and power in this moment and so much of the industry is built on the backs of minorities when we talk about right. unsung hospitalities i think of the dishwashers that are just yeah. the best the most important person in the building straight up Right. Like no question about it. So when you were when you're reflecting on that and you're trying to kind of champion a voice for not being the chef who's counter to the other chef, but it definitely knowing you, it's you want to try and say, 
that the dishwasher's voice should matter just as much as anybody else. How yeah. do you see that practically being able to play out? I don't, I don't honestly, I don't think it's ever going to play out uh, until again, restaurants start acting like restaurants. They start acting like businesses. Um, tech is a decent enough example, but on an extreme level, you look at something like Amazon, they take care of their employees who are on the business side, meaning that not in a warehouse really well. They take care of them really well. They get paid a lot. They have resources that are never ending. Um, but then you look at a warehouse level worker and they treat them like shit. You know, so it's like if you were an engineer at Facebook, you're front of house. If you were a warehouse worker at Amazon, you're back of house. Oh, <laughs> and man. And the back of house, front of house debate continues in another that, industry. Huh? But that happens with almost every industry. You have your, you know, your chairman of the board, CEO, director level people that'll show up and be ready to go. And then you've got everybody else down here. Um, it's it's very it's very evident in restaurants because we expect it. We, you know, you're not expecting the dishwasher to go to a table and clear a table because most people would be offended by that. That happens at a restaurant all the time. You know, I'm. Yeah our cooks run food or fucking they know how to open bottles of wine. They know how to talk to the guests, you know, and it's just a different mindset. And, and you have to tell, I, I tell them, I'm like, if your next step isn't wanting to open up your own restaurant, don't work here. You know, cause this, you can go work at a fucking uh, cheesecake factory. I mean, not right now, but <laughs> you can go work at a cheesecake factory and probably make more. You can go work at a hotel and make more. They pay more. Um, you know? And so for us, it's like, not trying to sit here and sit at some minimum level. It's try to go, okay, cool. Like, here's what we're going to do at this higher level. Um, and, you know, all of our employees start at $18 an hour. Um, all of them have the ability to get benefits that uh, I pay 50% of their premium for. And we launched benefits on April 1st, you know, in the middle of a fucking pandemic. What's up? And yeah. <laughs> the reason I say it like that is because there's other chefs, restaurateurs, all this other kind of stuff that, can't even get past the idea of taking the cuisine they make and putting it in a to-go box and giving it to people. They forgot that the reason why people like their restaurant is because it sends like a, 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 you know, a sense memory type thing for them where it felt like a good time. People are kind of in a shitty spot right now. So they're looking yeah. for something positive. And if you can't figure out a way to package up your restaurant and give it to them in a little box and go, I don't know what it's going to do like when you get it home, but we're doing our best. If you can't figure out how to message and stuff and, and make those ideas happen, then you weren't really a good chef anyway. Because there's every single chef that I've known, when they're faced with, fuck, the goddamn dairy order didn't come in. What do we do? Send somebody to the store. I'll go to the store. Oh, goddamn it. The, the shit got stuck in so-and-so. What are we going to do? They'll figure it out. The good chefs figure it out. The other ones that don't, they'll just go, just 86 to shit. Um, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You know, and so this is like kind of the whole thing. It's it's like, what are you willing to do to like think beyond the plate and think beyond your doors and get food to people at any level? Because I'll tell you what, you know, being fussed out doing table side service, it's going to be gone for a really long time. You know, bar counters are going to be gone for a long time. The chef's counter at my restaurant is going to be gone for a really long time. So what am I going to do? Sit here and write an op-ed about how it's tough for me and my chef's table. That is an award-winning chef's table. That shit, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Nobody cares. You know, they're, yeah. they're like, I'm at my dinner table at my fucking house. I have three kids that are staring at me. I have a dog that looks at me like, holy shit, you're home all the time. And I got to figure out how to work from home. That's like a real problem people are having right now. They're like managing two or three kids running around like crazy. Dogs going like, hey snacks every two seconds and they're like yeah. work and then their kids are trying to like do schoolwork and then all this other yeah. shit it's like juggling fucking flamethrowers and and then you got a, a chef over here crying about oh it's my chef's tables why doesn't nobody come to it uh, mm -hmm. come on man <laughs> yeah gotta gotta figure shit out like it's not gonna be what it was before right you said very specifically everything in restaurants will change forever right. And yeah, so we don't know exactly what that's going to be. But to your point, it's going to fucking change and you're going to have to figure it out. You yeah. can still you don't have to put the past on a pedestal to the degree in which you are crippled by the inability to figure out how to create hospitality and experience and moments and memories, because you can still do those things. It just isn't the way that we were brought up in the industry. 
Yeah. And you got to figure that out. So let's talk about that because you are a perpetual motion machine, man. Every every day, it's like, I'm thinking about doing pantry items. I'm thinking about delivering raw meats. Where are you guys at? Are you interested in that? What part of, of town are you in? Can we set up a hub in your neighborhood? Like, go, go, go. Constantly trying mm -hmm. to figure out how to connect with people. That's just in you. I know that clearly. Why is that so important right now, though? Um, it's a fundamental understanding of communication. I'm I'm kind of a shut-in type of person anyway. Um, I, I really am. Like, I could sit in my house for, like, months, and I, it would be awesome. <laughs> so uh, everybody's at home now, which is, like, dream scenario for me, but I have a restaurant, and it's open. So what, my, what I'm doing is kind of hoping that – if what would I do if I was at home? What would I want to see if I was at home? I'm kind of playing that game in my head. So yeah. I'm like, you know, if I did, if I was going to go like order out five times this week, what would I want to see? Would it be everything that I do at my restaurant? Fuck no. So nope. that's, that was the, that was always been the first thing is like, how many times can someone come to my restaurant and support it before they go, okay, cool. We supported it, but it's still the same menu. It has to change all the time. It has to be different. You have to offer different things. Um, you know, I've reached out to people and I'm like, what are you guys eating for lunch? You know what they're eating for lunch? Leftovers, random yeah. condiments they found in their fridge that have been hanging out there for a year. Um, you know, it's just like, <laughs> they're just, they're just whatever. They're like, I don't really give a shit about lunch. I'm more geared up towards dinner, but you know, when I do eat lunch, it's sandwiches. So whatever. So me, I'm like taking all that information and I go, okay, cool. I've got a whole tech side of people that are going to be working from home probably through the end of the year, if not longer. And I know they're at home and we were feeding a lot of those people for like corporate lunches. Um, and so it's communicating with those people going like, Hey, I'm going to start a lunch program. It's $11 per meal. It's three meals per week, 33 bucks. We're going to make you your, you know, office style lunch. You can have like a little bag over here. That's a hydration kit, you know, cause they get yeah. free work and then they have like snacks like a little snack desk box they can make for themselves um it's it's really understanding what that is listening to it and going like fuck it we'll do these like one of my favorite ways to, that i've seen lunch done is indian uh tiffin boxes i don't even yes yeah yeah you stack them up brilliant that's the most brilliant shit i've ever yeah. seen so that's kind of like the the you know in it you know the, the thing that gets me excited about it to, to create something like that or it's non-stop people going, I fucking can't find yeast or flour, yeast or flour, yeast or flour. And I have different ways to get that stuff because my purveyors are, you know, they sell to restaurants. Well, the restaurants are closed. So you know what they're sitting on? Yeast and flour. Fucking overnight, dude, I launched this thing called Hype Yeast. And it's yeah. <laughs> it's basically Love just, it. I take on Hype Beast and I'm like, guys, I've got the best drops of the season, fresh yeast, dry yeast. <laughs> Gold label yeast. I've got all of them. EC three fifty. Yeah, no, it's 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 stupid. It's funny, but it's yep. functional for them. Where they're like, "You're a total jackass," but you have bread flour. I'll take me five pounds. I'll take AP flour. I'll take some yeast. I'll take some whatever. And I'm like, "Do you want sourdough starter too?" So we started sourdough starter, and then the employees named them. One's Leonardo DiCaprio. And it's fucking hilarious. You know, they're like, they're excited about it too. And you see them okay. the process. And so it's, it makes it very different. And it's like, it's the same exact thing that like Amazon did when they first started. Everybody thought the guy was just going to be in his garage selling books. And that wasn't his thing. That, that wasn't it. It was figuring out yeah. how to sell everything. And so on my side, I'm like, I'm going to have a system that can sell everything, but also not warehouse conditions. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so let's talk about that. Your people, you know, you have that, that hustle, you're going to get them whatever yeah. they need. It's a, it's a challenge to be able to keep up with that breakneck speed. Yeah. Yet your staff is super excited about Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't know if I spelled that correctly, but I tried. <laughs> and, and you're paying them $18 an hour. So they're not a fucking warehouse person that's getting treated like they're yeah, servants. Yeah. yeah. How are you able to do that practically from a business standpoint? Um, you know, I'm pretty decent at understanding how numbers work. Um, it's called simple math. And so <laughs> you manage money coming in, you manage money coming out and that's it. Uh, I'm, we do a lot of, you know, backend stuff, yeah. that we develop ourselves and, 
you know, targeted ads, targeted marketing uh, through Facebook, Instagram, whoever else will take us. I have a newsletter that I write every week, you know, that I send out to all of our guests. I'm constantly all over everything as much as I can, just trying to understand like what people need and how they need it. You know, it it's it's an approach of beyond the restaurant point of view. And that's what has always helped me um, because if I look at what's needed to fill the seats in the restaurant, I think that's a failed po- uh, you know, pastime idea for yeah. now. Uh, and that's when I talk about when things are gonna change forever, that's a thing. It's a point of view of like, if you want a restaurant, what is that restaurant gonna look like? If you wanna do restaurant, what is that gonna be? And it's not, it's not that, you know, we see like uh, Texas, they're like, you can open your restaurant tomorrow at 25% capacity. There's a bunch of problems with that. Um, yeah. One, the guests probably don't wanna come in. They're not going to come in. They're still like, man, this fucking governor's insane. Uh, no, thank you. Um, and then you've got restaurants that have been closed that are going to open up now that haven't done anything for a month, a month and a half. And they're going to do, they have no idea what they're getting into. I, I tell you this as a guy that's like actually open right now, the, the learning curve for a lot of these restaurants is going to be massive. And the only thing that that's going to happen is safety issues and the only thing that's going to happen is guest complaints. And the guest complaints on this side, it's not them putting a Yelp review. It's them ending up in the fucking hospital. Yeah. That, that's yeah. The, that's the whole different side of it. It's not, you know, oh, man, I fucking – they emailed the GM. The Gmail, you know, they, they emailed them back and they said, oh, yeah, we'll get you a fucking coupon to come back in or a comp your meal or the finesse of that whole old style thing. Oh. Now it's very much like – fucking asshole we got sick we ate at your restaurant two days ago and it's not food yeah. <laughs> you can't pr that shit away for sure the, yeah. the thinking is you're opening a brand new restaurant in a completely new universe yeah and so if you think you're going to open up the way that you always have and then just layer on a couple more sanitation techniques or no. show that you're you're doing that it's not going to happen you have to reopen your restaurant with a completely different training a completely different expectation yeah managing your space differently, managing your product differently, managing your interaction differently. Totally. And you can't just fucking sprinkle some crack on it and expect it to be good. No, I mean, it's on our side. I mean, we told, we told all of our guests, like, you can't pick up your food unless you have a mask, <laughs> you know? And, and they're like, what? Um, they're like, we're not even coming to your restaurant. I was like, it's not about, it's not about you. It's about what I want. And that shift is like, that's fucking jarring for people. Um, people are used to that from me because I treat it that way anyway. But the normal everyday family, like a Denny's, they're not going to be able to get away with that shit. They're not going to, you know, people fucking, they're going to be like, fuck you, Denny's guy. Um, you know, and that doesn't go well with me because I'm like actually in the restaurant. <laughs> and so I'm going to be like, you go fuck myself? Oh, I got something. Hey, I see you. It's different, you know? So, you know, that's a big problem. You're going to have a lot of bigger chains that are coming back on board and they're going to be relaxed about stuff. Um, they're not going to, you know, they're going to lobby to get their own special interests taken care of so they can open, uh, whether that's requiring more things, meaning, you know, if they start to require crazy ass new HACCP plans, that's going to price out a lot of people with time resources and efficiency models to like have the time to do that while they're open. Um, it's the same exact way with the first round of the SBA loans. Um, they're like, everybody, applications are open. But we, on my side, we were doing 12, 16 hours a day. And I didn't have time to go sit next to my computer for an hour and a half and, and go through a fucking process for a bank. You saw people that got it on the first round and they were like gigantic companies and they have marketing firms and advertising firms and you know accounting firms and lawyers and everything else. So if they need to get their stuff faster, that's, that's kind of what happens. Um, but even on the employee level, next up, uh, which should be first, it's, you know, somebody's on furlough right now. That's kind of a, it's, it's a kind of a shitty system, to be honest, because if they say, I'm going to go work somewhere else, they're like, fine, unemployment stops. <laughs> and it's like, no, but you fucking told me I couldn't work. Um, yep. It's a really shitty system. And I don't like the verbiage of it. And I don't like how certain restaurants are like, we're good. We can't uh, wait to get open to bring back our furloughed employees. I don't think that's a good vibe because what ends up happening is there's going to be employees that are going to be put in a shit spot that aren't, they don't trust the restaurant. 
they don't trust their family uh, to come back because <laughs> they don't think they're going to be safe enough. So if I'll give you an example. If you were paid minimum wage and you're just like a dishwasher or something like that, I don't know of too many restaurants out there that are going to particularly want to put their dishwasher in the best place possible when they weren't already doing that before. So now having to add all of this new stuff into it, there aren't many places that are going to be like, Hey, <laughs> I got you all of these things. Here you go. You're all masked up, gloved up, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't see that happening. Um, because we all know how like chains work and asshole owners work and, all that kind of stuff. They're just going to be like, the health department's not going to come in here. You know, like, <laughs> and if they do push it out, push it, you know, and it's, it's, it's stuff like that, um, that before anybody knows it, everything's going to be open again, how they're going to be open and what way they're going to be open. That goes all the way back to understanding how restaurants that are very high level work and ones that work on a low level, um, because everybody has different ideas of what sanitation is and safety is and employee welfare is and whoever. And so then you have your, you know, timed out, cleaned down, perfectly meticulous kitchen restaurants. And then you have the other ones that are just kind of like running around going, fuck, you know, that's just reality. Yeah. And so when you're thinking about those restaurants, you think people are going to go right back to the bad habits super quickly, that they will just be a, a layer of facade potentially of like the new PPP, PPE stuff, yeah. the new like sanitation techniques, creating just enough transparency where it's like cool as long as they're only watching over here they're not gonna be paying attention to the shit that we're actually doing and then they'll put on the health department show yeah that's always always gonna happen and then but you've also got you know people who are stupid enough to just kind of like not even oh lost him he's on a roll too We'll see if he pops back in for a second. This has been a big conversation that I've been having with a lot of restaurants that reach out to me is how they're going to be able to manage the expectations when they don't know what the expectations. What's up? Oh, you got the uh, the crazy black and white camera. Here we go. We'll get you back on. It's par for the course, my friend. So, so anyway, you think that they're going to just go back into those bad habits potentially? I, I, man, you like, you're going to see it. Like they, they start opening up restaurants and beaches and all this kind of shit in like Florida and Texas and people are just right back at it. There's pictures at a restaurant that had a patio seating in Texas and nobody had anything on. Um, it's, that's just the way it's going to be, man. Like there's people still to this day that don't, that will fight a fucking chicken pox vaccine. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and it's just some people that are like looking on Facebook going, that's going to kill my child. And meanwhile, their child dies and then they go, why'd my child die? And then thoughts and prayers. And before you know it, it's just a big cluster fucking circle jerk and whatever else you fucking want to call it. And, and it's just a bunch of dumb fucking people. And you can't, you can't fix stupid. You know what I mean? You can't fix it, fix ignorant people. You can't fix people that are just going to be like, shit's open. Let's run back. You know, and it's, it's, you know, coronavirus is in the corner going, you get it now, like they're Oprah, and you get it now, and you get it now, and you get it now. And that's what it is. You can't can't fucking hide from it. You can't talk it away. You can't, you know, wear a hazmat suit and then expect that I'm doing this all the time because then you have a variable. There could be the, on the fucking person that comes home. It could be, you know, up to 10 minutes or 20 minutes or two hours on a package that you get. And so it's like, if you're not willing to take those extra precautions, then yeah, you're going to get something. You know, people risk their lives all the time for the dumbest shit. And this is just going to be one of those things where this is one of those dumbest shit moments. It's going to be one of those Darwin award style, you know, winning moments where, you know, you have the, the politician that goes, I'm going to shake everybody's hand and the fucking next week they have it. And they're like, damn it. (laughs) You know, it's like, what do you think was going to happen? Um, And so that's, that's just kind of the reality of it. It's, that's, what's going to happen in restaurants. I mean, there was a bigger chain or something like that that opened and they don't want their employees to wear masks because they don't feel like it's the appearance they want to give to people. Sure. And I'm like, well, that was you wanting to maintain your previous restaurant image. Things are different now. And if you're not willing to adapt that, then honestly, somebody needs to come over and say that it needs to be like health department. It needs to be like government. It needs to be like, fucking call the cops on them. Fuck, <laughs> you know, and go, Hey, 
I just went to this restaurant. Nobody's here. They're coughing, spitting, whatever. If I called my health department right now and said, hey, I saw for the last two times I've been there, dude moving chicken over a beef over a whatever vegetable board and everything, they would actually go inspect it. They would actually go and check that shit out. And they would be like, oh, I wonder if anybody's got sick since they've been you know, eating and they'd go file and figure it out. That place can get shut down. So if stuff like that isn't happening now with verbiage or communication, I don't know if it ever will. I mean, I saw something where there was a lady that opened up her salon uh, and was doing the thing. And then they gave her like three cease and desists and they finally threw her in jail for a week. Um, shit. Shit like that's going to happen um, because it's serious. This isn't like everyone first round of this shit. Oh, it's just like the flu. It's just like this. It's just like that. We try to talk it back and whatever. And it's, it's, it's dead serious, man. It's crazy. There's, there's fucking people that are dying. Like how much more serious, how many more people need to die before somebody just goes, Hey, uh, I think it's, I think it's fucking serious. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's crazy. Uh, so let's uh let's end on a positive note the kind of positivity that's, that we find is infectious right teach the the shirt uh you know let's end yeah. with the shirt your people you got 10 11 employees right your yeah. team touch on them for a moment how important it is for you as a leader of your family <laughs> in yeah. this moment right to be able to keep them working safely to be able to yeah. bring what's needed in the community to them I mean, who are they? Why is that so important? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a whole team. I mean, it's people that we brought on that I never knew, <laughs> and then you know to fill what we needed at the restaurant, you know, and and started with Ingrid, you know, working with me for the last couple of years, and then Paul, which I know you talked to him. Uh, oh, sure, yeah, great guy. Yeah, he's dope, and he's kind of taking on more of a leadership role, and he's like working the kitchen more and kind of seeing things coming out, and then John and our dishwasher Missy and a couple of new people like Corbin and Rachel and Deontay. And then we had like two delivery drivers and we added a third one yesterday. So it's, it's just a bigger, it's a bigger operation now. Um, and they're the way that they're more essential than like the stuff I'm doing, meaning like just getting the work done. So it's having conversations with them. Um, it's different. It's a different vibe too. I never did like staff beers before ever. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the night, like I will go to their station or wherever they're working and like put one on their station and be like, good, <laughs> you know, and then talking to them, like, you know, how, how are you at home? Like, what's up? I have a couple, couple people and they're, they're, they're not from good places. And, you know, it's going like, what do you got for food at your house? Oh, I'm good chef. I'm good chef. Bullshit. What do you have for food at your house? And then they're like, you can kind of tell they're just trying to like sound cool around their people and yep. i'm like nope and i'll go and like grab a bunch of stuff and just be like you're taking this home um you know and it's it's everything from that to you know throwing toilet paper at them and going you're taking this home i know yep. that you are a single person and you don't shop and nobody's going to tell you what to do take this home um you know it, it's just stuff it's stuff like that it's you know my mom made everybody masks you know and so and then i've i've I bought some more masks uh, that they're all like nicer, you know, so they can kind of like have a different vibe. Um, <laughs> Still have some swag when they're wearing yeah. their mask. Yeah. And I've been, yeah. Looking, I've been looking for like even more dope ones just so they can kind of, it could be their thing, but it could be kind of super fun. Um, yeah. you know, I got my original Batman logoed mask, you know, yeah. Rock it. yeah. And so it's just, it's little things like that all the way to just making sure they're okay. And, you know, having a conversation with them and be like, what are you doing tomorrow? And they're like, oh, just sitting at home, going to sleep. I'm like, staying at home. You know, <laughs> it's just, it's, Good. it's a very different vibe. You know, it's, it, and it, I think it kind of works well for cooks because a lot of them are just kind of like, I fucking work all the time. I'm just going home anyway. You know, <laughs> like yeah. sure. that's kind of the vibe. Um, not a lot of cooks ever are like fucking cannot wait for Saturday, Sunday and retreat time and, you know, vacation. Uh -huh. You know, it's it's not hitting like the lake this weekend. No, no, yeah. and, and that's that kind of why it works for for our team a little bit more. Um, you know, we don't we don't have like the front of house side was never really a thing in our restaurant, which is another part um, that's very different. Um, so we don't have people that are going like, okay, cool, I'm here for five hours and <laughs> I'm gonna leave. Um, 
So it's just, it's just a different expectation, but they've been really cool. Um, there's been weird days. There's been days where I'm like, are you fucking sick? You know, like in a serious way, like why yeah. are you coughing? Like, what is that? Coughing, please. Yeah. And then, you know, telling him you gotta, you gotta leave like immediately. You gotta, you gotta leave. You gotta go get tested and you can't come back until you get tested. We had two times where we did that with people. And they came back, oh. they were like, oh, I, one was, I had fucking allergies. And I, one was like, I actually had like a normal flu. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, no big deal. but I'm like, stay home though. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'll pay for you to stay home. Just stay home. You know, it's so it's, it's just a very different, it's a very different conversation. Um, and it's not impeding yeah. them. You know, we had a couple, we had a couple people like, they were like, this is too much for me. And I, I, I don't want to do this. And I'm like, works for me. Um, but this is what we have to do. And this is exactly what it is. Um, there's no fucking, you know, gold dust or fairy things I could put over anybody. I'm like, Nope, this is what we are. And, and so that's, it works for some people. It didn't work for some people. I'm okay with that, you know, but they had other options too. So that's cool. That's good, man. I just being thoughtful and being diligent for your people. Like that's truly what leadership is. Like you work for them. And I think that's super important and you're recognizing yeah. it. So yeah, Eric, man amazing conversation you that was that was a long conversation too you got shit to do man i'm excited to see what comes next for you and for your people yeah. because i know that's going to be at the forefront and uh and keep keep sparking conversation man i told a lot of people that reached out to me knowing that you know we we're friends like eric punched the industry in the mouth a little bit he knew what he was doing he's a smart fucking guy what he does next and does with that platform and the yeah. voice and to be able to empower other voices that's what's going to show the true leadership so I'm, I'm grateful that we can keep bantering and having conversations about yeah, it my friend. Anytime. all right brother you have a good day man be safe Thank you. cheers eric rivera that guy's a beast uh, his energy is through the roof and just always constantly constantly pushing to be dynamic to figure things out to connect and the way that he's thoughtfully thinking about what the tech people need and then utilizing their skills. And he's got some cool AI assisted uh, delivery methods that they're using. And I'm sure that came from the, from, you know, feeding the tech and then asking questions, just asking questions. What do you need? What are you thinking about when you're at home, you know, and, and being able to adapt and be what people need. And that's what restaurants really are. They are what people need. So often we're doing that from the perspective of this is what we're going to give you and you are going to have our type of experiences. The ones that do it well say, this is who we are. This is what we represent. This is what we stand for. This is our point of view. And this is how we're going to be of service to you, how we're going to present the feeling of hospitality to you. So I'm grateful to that. Long episode. Thank you for anybody who actually watched all the way through. It was an important conversation to have because Eric is definitely somebody who has a voice and is trying to empower more voices in the conversation. I think that is very, very mission critical now and into the future. Appreciate you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.